You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Hello and welcome back to A Mindful Moment. Thank you so much to our listeners. We're so grateful to have an opportunity to feel connected to a wider community and we hope you are too especially during these unusual times. There's never been a better time to build your mindfulness skills. Mindfulness not only improves your mental, emotional, and physical well-being, but provides a foundation for remaining calm during stressful challenges and events. Through mindful thoughts and actions, we can do more than just survive these challenges. We can continue to thrive. The key to becoming more mindful is simply practice. We hope this podcast will provide you with knowledge, inspiration, motivation, and helpful strategies to cope with current events. Working together, we can not only get through any situation, but can learn and grow from the experience. So, let's get started. I had to go out to the grocery store this morning because what has become my weekly grocery delivery never showed up last week. I haven't left my house for any reason for three weeks, and there's a nice, safe feeling about that. I'm well and haven't been exposed, so why risk it? But here in Los Angeles, they're predicting the worst is going to hit in a few days, so I had to make that difficult decision, like so many others. Do I go now so that I can stay in later when it's supposed to be worse? I donned mask and gloves and was at the door at 6 a.m., still dark outside with a bright moon overhead. There were only about five other people waiting for the doors to open, but my tension was running high. Not about catching the virus, but about how weird everything is. Half of the store lights were off, so it was a little dark inside. Hardly any people, but all present in masks and not making eye contact. Lots of food available, but lots of empty shelves. No eggs in the large egg display. I'm not sure what the word is to describe this. Eerie? Creepy? Depressing? Apocalyptic? Okay, perhaps I've watched too many disaster movies. But it was uncomfortable, and I couldn't wait to be finished. As I approached the checkout lane with its new six-foot markers on the floor and a giant shield between me and the checkout person, I thought about how the workers in these stores must feel. Not only are they risking their own health being exposed to hundreds of people a day, but they're also the recipients of complaints, anger, and even threats, which I unfortunately witnessed on my last outing back in March. 
from scared people who just aren't thinking clearly. It's not the grocery store worker's fault that there are shortages and inconveniences. I was filled with gratitude for these people. I was certainly disappointed that my grocery delivery never arrived, but whether through home delivery or at the store, without these folks we would be in so much worse condition. At this strange moment in time, it may feel unreasonable to be asked to cultivate a gratitude practice, but it's actually something that is not only needed, but will greatly improve our ability to navigate this craziness with our health and our sanity more intact. There are so many things I've noticed that I took for granted before. Eggs and toilet paper are certainly two of them. The ease with which I could enjoy so many activities more profound. I'm embarrassed to think now about my own complaining about how long the drive took to get to the museum or the beach or the zoo. How many times a week I ran out to stores to pick up whatever I needed. The expectation that I could order anything I wanted in the world and receive it in two days if it was a prime item on Amazon. The privilege of meeting people in person to discuss business issues or to have friends pop by on their way home from work. I hope we're all grateful to the healthcare professionals working under such stress to try to support those infected and the sacrifices they're making, and that we'll all stop and think about the sacrifices so many others are making. I know people who are married to essential workers who are quarantined from their own families for fear of bringing the virus home. Grocery store workers, car service drivers, repair workers, bus drivers, delivery people, cooks and restaurant staff, postal carriers. There are a lot of people exposing themselves every day so that more of us can stay safe. So I am very, very grateful. The word gratitude is derived from the Latin word gratia, which means grace, graciousness, or gratefulness. With gratitude, we acknowledge the goodness in our lives. In the process, we usually recognize that the source of that goodness lies at least partially outside of ourselves. As a result, gratitude also helps people connect to something larger than themselves as individuals, whether to other people, nature, or a higher power. That leads us to today's guest on the show, Omar Brownson. Omar is an entrepreneur, civic leader, and a public speaker. He's the co-founder and CEO of the gratitude app, G Thanks. Omar is also a leader in residence at the software company Nation Builder. G Thanks has been featured in Goop, Men's Journal, and The Hollywood Reporter as one of the best ways to tap into the power of gratitude and self-care. Thank you for joining us, Omar. Thank you, Teresa, for having me. My pleasure. I, I can't wait for our listeners to hear you today. Let's start with your article that I read on Oprah.com. Gratitude, the Antidote to a Fear-Driven Life, which I thought was excellent. And it's where you describe your journey into gratitude and you talk about the importance of presence. So I was wondering if you could tell us how you see mindfulness and gratitude connected. Absolutely. You know, it was about five years ago that I went on a silent retreat for the first time in my life. And at the end of the six days, I had a chance to talk with the monk. and. He looked at me with his grizzled beard and put his hand on my shoulder and, you know, really imparted some wisdom because I didn't have any great epiphany. And I said, all I really realized was how impatient of a human being I am. And with his hand on my shoulder, 
he said that the root word in Latin uh, for impatience is patis, which means to suffer. And he said, that is your burden to carry. And I said, gee, thanks. That's great advice, feedback. I asked though, how are you supposed to move in the world and want to get things done and be non-attached at the same time? And he said that non-attachment does not mean indifference. So you can still care and be non-attached at the same time. So a light bulb switched and I started to meditate every day, twice a day for six straight months. And at the end of it, I actually realized that I was even more stressed out than I was before because now I had sort of 40 minutes that I was trying to account for in each day. And then I came across the work of Ellen Langer and she said, you can meditate or just be mindful. And I said, that sounds way more straightforward. She defines mindfulness as just the simple act of noticing change. That sounded way more doable. There's this Asaro tribal saying that knowledge is just a rumor until it's felt in the bones. And I stumbled upon the practice of gratitude. I didn't find gratitude, gratitude found me. And what it taught me was for the first time to pause and just appreciate the good in my life. And so if meditation is the practice of noticing each breath, mindfulness is the practice of noticing change, gratitude is the practice of noticing good. And what you're really training yourself is noticing. Where your attention goes is where you go. And that to me is the through line with all of these practices. Beautiful, I love that. How did you come up with the idea or how did this come about where you ended up coupling gratitude with relationships? So gratitude is a social emotion and it's not just about your own noticing. It's really about your noticing in relationship to others. So gratitude is inherently a reminder that you're part of something bigger than just yourself. And that's really what I love about gratitude is that it is at that intersection of your own self-care and your relationships. And I think for me, you know, too much in the United States in particular is individualistic. And I think what this pandemic is showing us is how interrelated we are. Gratitude really is about making visible what you value and you make invisible what you take for granted. And so part of what you're trying to do is really recognize how connected you are and that you're not by yourself. Your pain is sort of in the moment, but when you take a step back and sort of see all that is beautiful and good, then it sort of puts what you're going through into perspective. That's very true. I'm noticing it a lot myself, what I took for granted before. So in our workshops, we combine mindfulness with change management, with neuroscience to try to really boost people's ability to make positive change in their lives. And I know that you believe and, and practice with neuroscience and how it affects or how it is integrated with gratitude. Could you kind of maybe share what that looks like? Absolutely. So the first part of gratitude as a practice and not just as an emotion that you feel is the noticing. And that noticing allows you first to just recognize what is going on and taking that beat. 
but it's really then the second step of the practice, which is to then pause and to actually feel the experience of it. And when you pause to actually absorb the experience, you're creating emotional muscle memory. You're really allowing yourself to say, oh, there is something positive, there is something good, there is something beautiful, and I'm not just gonna go whiz by it, but I'm actually going to pause and to appreciate it. That pause to appreciate it is in our everyday language when you talk about smelling the roses. It's not just about seeing the rose, it's actually pausing to smell the rose. And that's when you really begin to not just react to your environment, but rewire your brain so that you create the ability to see positive things more easily the next time. And that's where the neuroscience comes in because as human beings, our evolution is wired in our brains to see things in a negative way. And so we're, we're used to seeing threats and what's around the corner. And so the practice of noticing good is then in a direct contrast to that very sort of animal part of our evolution, which is say we can move beyond the threats and we can actually be a little bit more conscientious and intentional about our energy and our attention. When you are going through that process, so if you were gonna start a, a gratitude practice, the first step sounds like it'd be to notice the rose, second step to smell the rose. What do you do after that? I think there's at least, there's a couple more steps. And I think for me, it's from the noticing to the feeling to then being able to actually acknowledge the negative, but from a place of gratitude. And I think that's where it's not, you're gonna react to the negative, but really be able to say, okay, what am I feeling right now? What is that suffering? What is that pain? And how can I look at it not from a reactive point of view in the moment, but pause, orient to what is good, absorb that experience, and then acknowledge what is difficult. To continue the metaphor of a rose, every rose has a thorn. And you can see that thorn as a threat or actually something that is just trying to protect what is precious. And so do you react from a negative point of view because you feel threatened or what is it that you're truly trying to protect? And if you focus on what you're truly trying to protect, it's usually something positive. And so really being able to move through and appreciate what is good, that's where you learn to trigger your positive emotions so that you don't get triggered by your negative ones. Excellent. The last step is really about connecting to others. And so gratitude, again, is about you being part of something bigger. And so this is where we give thanks to someone or to something. Giving is receiving. And so taking that emotion and orienting it to all those people who you don't even see, who are actually making what is possible possible. That's one of the silver linings, if you will, of this pandemic is we are appreciating the healthcare workers. So even if we are not in a hospital, there are so many people who are sacrificing time with their own family who are not staying at home. We appreciate the grocery workers who are making sure that food is still uh, available, the delivery workers, 
all these people who are allowing us to stay at home. And so while it may be difficult to not go out and to in some ways have to go in, there are still so many people that are making that possible. And so this is where if giving is receiving, it's really about being able to see and then being seen. It's that witnessing that is so powerful of a practice. And again, all this begins with noticing. That's what witnessing does, is it acknowledges the humanity in others. And when we are able to do that, then we ourselves are also being seen and our humanity is restored as well. Beautiful. I asked you on the show today, obviously, to talk about the app, Gee Thanks. So I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that and how it came about. This has been one incredible journey. I actually spent 20 years in finance and real estate. And I had no idea when I went on that silent retreat five years ago that the trajectory of my life would totally shift. I realized at the time I was running a nonprofit to reimagine the 51 mile Los Angeles River. And yes, LA has a river. <laughs> and in fact, downtown LA is located where it is because of the Los Angeles River. Los Angeles is actually named after its river. I was working with the architect, Frank Gehry. It was very exciting to really imagine resiliency at a totally different scale. But I realized that it's so much easier to try to change the world than to change yourself. And I am a father, I have two daughters. If I didn't have daughters, there'd be no gratitude practice. The skills that it takes to get big infrastructure projects done are very different skills than what it means to be a good dad, a good husband, a good human being. And so this practice of gratitude really started to shift my orientation in life. And at one point I finally got to uh, the realization that I didn't want to move bricks and sticks. I wanted to move hearts and minds. And that what I really cared about was people. And I, as I look to the future and I look at climate change, we're not going to build ourselves out of the solution. What we're going to do is change our culture, our hearts and minds, and our values. And so the practice of gratitude is really about behavior change. What is it that I can do? And I started with me. I shared what I was doing with a friend and he said, Omar, we've got to do something with this. He happened to be the head of digital for the Oprah Winfrey Network and so I listened to him. And a couple uh, years later, we developed this app called G-Thanks. The original inspiration were prayer beads. If you think about prayer beads, they're like the original wearable technology. For thousands of years, people literally counted their blessings. Science is now catching up to what spirituality has long known. Gratitude works, and it's simple. The beads themselves were just a physical reminder of our intentions. The counting was a simple routine that allowed us to manifest that intention. And the reward was that we were rewiring our brains. Now we were attributing that to many other things, and we still can, but we also now know the neuroscience behind it, that when we have a practice, it's simple. It's a reminder, it's a routine and a reward, and that's really what we tried to create in our app. 
So you have daily prompts. You have ways to help you notice what is going on in your life. We have over 100 plus guided gratitude practices from the head of UCLA's mindfulness program to the actor George Takei. And we have really, I would say, innovative techniques that just allow you to do those three things. What is a simple reminder? It might be an inspirational quote. What is a simple way to give thanks? Literally tapping a button to lighting a candle to journaling your thanks. And then the reward is that you're part of something bigger. So we have a public journal that really allows people to share what they're going through. And that has really been the most powerful, particularly now with the pandemic, is you're just hearing these stories of people truly appreciating what they have and recognizing the sacrifices that so many people are there making in order for them to have the day that they have, the home that they have, the moment that they have. And that's really what we try to capture in our app. And as part of the pandemic, we also made it free. So this was really where we felt like, where can we contribute the most? And we felt like this was our way. When you have now almost 22 million Americans and who knows what around the world, unemployed. And so when we know that mental stress is gonna be increasing, we know that unemployment is increasing, so the last thing we wanted to do was to create a barrier to people being able to practice gratitude. Gratitude is an antidote. So let's give this vaccine away. That's great. And, and how would people get the app? So we're in the Apple store. And I'm excited to share that as of this morning, we are now in the Google Play. So whether you're on Android or on an iPhone, um, you can now... Uh, tap into G thanks GTHX. It's fun. It's irreverent. If you can tell by our name, uh, this is not about sort of holier than thou. This is not a place of judgment. This is a place of joy. The best way to create a new practice is to have emotional success. So let's make this fun. Let's make this easy. And the cool thing is that the gratitude's already in you. You're literally wired for it. And so we're just really creating the space and the mechanisms to make that possible. If you imagine just how much a prayer bead made a difference across time, across faiths, across cultures, now we can do that with the latest technology. That is wonderful. And I'm so appreciative that you've made it free for everyone. And I'm also appreciative it's in the Android store now since I'm the sole person in my company that still uses Android. <laughs> I've been looking for you and 70% of the world. So, okay, good. <laughs> Everyone else in my office has an Apple. I'm like, I can't get in. I'm, I do appreciate that. And I also appreciate the work that you're doing because I think at this time people do need not just comfort and empathy, but they need tools and they need a way to give back. I think that the act of giving is very healing. And so it's wonderful that there's this tool that they can use that where they can do that even from their own homes. So I thank you very much for that. So this moment is we're experiencing massive change. And to me, one of the tools that we're looking for is resiliency. So resiliency is our ability to adapt to change. Pre-COVID-19, the world was really based on efficiency. How fast can I get from A to B? Now, we don't know what B will be. And so it's not about how fast we can move, it's really about how well can we adapt. 
And that's really what the practice of gratitude allows us to do because the practices that we adopt are the ones that allow us to adapt. And it's always been that we become what we practice. And so this is a moment while we're staying at home to put these practices in place. We don't need to go to the gym to exercise our gratitude muscles. They're here in our homes. They're with us wherever we are. And so that's really my hope for this moment is that people use the time if they can to adopt these practices so that they can better adapt to the environment ahead. Yeah, that's such a powerful concept and I totally agree. So I do hope everyone downloads the app and I want to thank you so much for joining us today. It's a beautiful message and I hope everyone practices it. Thank you so much, Teresa, for having me and for sharing uh, your practices. And that's really, I think, what's important is that together we'll get through this. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Gratitude helps us feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improves our health, helps us deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. Sounds like now would be a very good time to practice gratitude. Take a moment to settle into a relaxed position. Take in a deep breath through the nose and hold for a count of one, two, three, four. Exhale. Feel gratitude for this brief retreat from whatever is happening in the outer world. A calm few moments of self-care and compassion. Consider what you can see around you right now. Do you see anything that you're grateful for? Think about the people you know, family, friends, neighbors, workers in your community. Are there any that you're grateful for having in your life right now? Gently close your eyes or soften your gaze. Notice your breathing. Can you feel gratitude for your breath? It's always with you, supporting you. Our breath not only gives us life, it calms us when we're tense. It gives us the ability to reset when we feel anxious or afraid. Breathing in and breathing out. Continue breathing normally and turn your attention to your heart. Feel gratitude from your heart for everything that you have right now. Gently return your attention to your surroundings. Transition out of your meditation in any way that feels right for you. There is a Chinese proverb that says, one joy scatters a hundred griefs. We can create that joy by creating a regular practice of gratitude. I am deeply grateful for you. Life offers too many rich opportunities to just survive it, even during challenging times. 
Our intention is to support you in thriving through a life of purpose and meaning. Until next time, remember to be mindful. Thanks again to our guest, Omar Brownson, and be sure to download the app, G-Thanks, G-T-H-X, to support you in practicing gratitude on a regular basis. And be sure to join us next week when we look at isolation and loneliness and how we can mitigate the negative effects of those feelings on our health. If you'd like to be on the show, please email us at info at worktoliveproductions.com. We'd love to share how you're navigating through this event and what mindfulness lessons we might find in those strategies. We also want to hear from organizations that are stepping up or adapting to contribute to the greater good. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Please rate this podcast so that others can find us. And follow us on social media at work to live A Mindful Moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee. The Spanish version is translated and recorded by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat, by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll, by Josh Kirsch, Meteorite Productions. Meditation music, Waterfall, by Akash Gandhi. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions. Thank you for tuning in.